best on pushing the limits is Chris Doris. Now, Chris is a mental toughness coach and podcaster. He's an author. He speaks all over the world, has trained people from billionaires through to Super Bowl athletes. He is an amazing person with an incredible knowledge, and I know that you're going to get so much benefit out of today's show. I know I did. So make sure you tune in. And if you want to reach out to me, please do so, lisa at lisatarmity.co.nz. You can find me on Instagram at lisatarmity or on Facebook. And make sure you go and check out our programs on my website at lisatarmity.com. If you need help with running, with mindset, mental toughness, nutrition, weight loss, fitness, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you. All right, without further ado, over to Chris. Well, hi everybody, it's Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits, and today I have a really special treat for you. I have Chris Doris with me all the way from America, and Chris, if you don't know who he is, and you should know, he's a tough talk guy. He's a mental toughness coach. He's an incredible international speaker, and he's with me here today, and I've got Chris on because I've been listening to his podcast and loving it, and uh, his podcast is called Tough Talks. And you have to go and check it out. So welcome to the show, Chris. It's fabulous to have you. Lisa, thank you so much for all that. That was very kind of you, and I really appreciate the invitation. Oh, it's going to be neat. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you're my type of guy, I think, as far as the, the mental toughness side goes and what you yeah. do. Chris, can you give us, uh, the listeners, a bit of a background on who you are and what you do and your profession and yeah. who you've worked with and things like that? Sure. Yeah. So I, I refer to myself, you know, what, what I've called myself over the years has been an evolution. So the, the current incarnation uh, is a success coach and I specialize uh, on, and I, I define success as having your life on your terms. I, I can't think of a better definition for success than that. I'm open to it, but I haven't heard of one or thought of one that, that I think more accurately captures what success really does mean for us. So I'm a success coach, which means I help people close the gap between how their lives are and how they want them to be. And the methodologies that I use rely heavily upon mental toughness training. So at one point, not that long ago, I was working exclusively with athletes. Wow. You know, athlete, yeah, only with athletes. I was in a company called Head Games with uh, someone who was actually my last um, guest on Tough Talks, Dr. Allison Arnold. She and I started and ran a company called Head Games, working exclusively with athletes, I worked primarily with golfers, and uh, Doc Alley worked primarily with with gymnasts. Mm. And it was, and I was prior to that, I was actually a licensed therapist. And this is actually kind of interesting because that was a major shift in um, in my vocation, and it's relevant to your listeners because the shift was from therapist to coach. And the distinction that I make there is from being someone who helps people by helping them uh, ameliorate problems and heal the past to someone that works with someone on creating an amazing future. My philosophy is that we are miracles, that each of us is a miracle. And there's math on that from a guy from Harvard who did the actual math on the odds of any of us occurring. And we are literally, mathematically speaking, incomprehensible improbabilities, which means we're miracles. So we're yep. designed to create miracles. So that's really what I'm about is helping us all, you know, is, is not settling. Really, my work is, is fundamentally about helping people stop settling, struggling, or worse, suffering. Suffering, yeah. And instead, kicking ass. Kicking ass and taking life by the ball, yeah. so to speak. Right. <laughs> Getting yeah. on with it. That's and what we're designed for. 
Yeah, and I've heard that, that um, I, I didn't know the doctor's name, but I'd heard somewhere a statistic where one in 48 trillion chance or something that any one of us is here in this incarnation that we're in, you know, this combination of bits and pieces. You know, if, you wanna, if, if anybody wants to look it up, it's really fascinating. The guy, his name is Ali, A-L-I. His last name is Benazir, B-I-N-A-Z-I-R. He's a Harvard professor. And he, you know, he created a really cool, so if you just Google Ali Benazir, what are the odds? You'll come up with a really cool PDF with some graphics and astounding numbers that if you can remember, it's going to be really hard to have a bad day because I mean, we are literally like we got into the impossible party VIP style. We're all lotto winners. Yeah, big, like the most improbable lotto comprehensible. I, and I, I totally think that that is a great mentality to have in life, to go into life and do daily things to think about, isn't it? That it's amazing that I'm here, that I have the privilege to live in this time and this age instead of, oh, woe is me, I, I don't have this and I don't have that. Um, so, um, Chris, you've, you've worked uh, for, you know, you've been at this for decades. What did you study? That's what I want to know. Personally, I want to know. Like, what is it that you studied that got you on this path? Or was that an evolution too of like you, you, you trained as a social worker, I believe, and, and counseling. Yes. Um, and then this has just evolved into this crazy high performance person that you are now. Yeah. So, you know, it's I, what I consider my training is really, um, it's not my education. Now, you know, I, I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in psychology mm -hmm. and that, you know, that was all cool. Uh, but it's but I don't credit my educational experience for you know qualifying me to serve people in in the context in which I do. It's my own study. You know, I've yeah. been a student of life. I've been a student of amazingness. I've been a student of consciousness. I've been a student of human peak performance uh, for my entire life. <clears throat> so I've traveled around the world. I've studied in India. I've worked with you know Sangomas or healers, native healers in South Africa. I've you know been to. Wow. Tons of Deepak Chopra. He's one of my favorite teachers on the planet. I've studied everything that he's created. I was a big fan of, and still am, Wayne Dyer, mm -hmm. you know, and um, <clears throat> Byron Katie, and uh, several other, you know, really brilliant minds on the planet that have to do with, you know, getting of really terminating the unnecessary settling, struggling, and suffer, suffering that I, um, that I referenced, you know, before. Yeah. And you see this so, on a daily basis, don't you, Chris? Like, when you're talking to, I mean, I do a lot of uh, coaching athletes and now moving into the business space as well. Um, and you just see it over and over and over again, the same limiting beliefs, the same confidence issues, the same belief that they, the power lies extrinsically with somebody else instead of the, the power lies within to change and to grow and to develop and, and to, yes, you might not be there now, but there's a path for you to go, you know? Are you seeing that constantly in the people? I mean, you deal with some pretty amazing people. Um, is that what you're seeing with them as well? Or Yeah, I'd like to make a game out of it. You know, one of my favorite teachers was um, named Alan Watts. <laughs> Are you an Alan fan? Yes, totally. Yeah, I love, love yeah. that dude. Yeah. Great laugh. Yeah. And he used it very liberally. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite, my favorite quote of his is that each of us is an aperture through which the universe observes itself. Only the game we're playing is to not know that. <laughs> so put another way is that each of us is like an expression of divine grace in human form. And we're, the game is to awaken to that. Mm -hmm. 
right? So I like to, you know, to make a game of it. And, um, and I, I think it really is a game. I love games, right? I love, I love sports. I love athletics. I, I love competition. I love puzzles. I love games, period. There's high intelligence in having fun, right? Yeah. So all human peak performance research indicates that when we're having fun, intrinsically rewarding experiences when we're at our best which by the way, I think is pretty kick-ass like, as humans that we evolved in ways that we are at our best when we feel our best. Yes. Right? So yeah. none of us is exempt from the conditioning of the past that would have us, in fact, you know, learn the limiting beliefs that have us, again, I keep saying it, but I say it on purpose, that would have us unnecessarily settle for less than what we want, struggle against getting it, or yeah. worse, you know, suffer. So, um, yeah, so I like to make a game that none of us are exempt from that, that we all are in the process of awakening into our own excellence. And the subtitle of my book is Confidently Stepping Into Your Own Brilliance. Great. Right? Is it out yet? No, that's coming, is it? No, that one is out. That yep, one's already yeah. out. Yeah, that's Creating Your Dream. And um, I, the, the title, Creating Your Dream, is a little boring to me, but I love the subtitle still, which is, you know, st confidently stepping into your own brilliance. And really that's the game that we're talking about right now, yeah. which is remembering that, you know, we are designed for excellence and we can make it a game to free ourselves from the conditioning of our past that would have us, uh, that would have us struggle, right? Or that would have us believe that what we want is not in some form available to us. Yeah. Right? It would also, the conditioning of our past that would have us prioritize people's opinions of us over uh, our truths, uh, the, the conditioning of our past that would have us be victims of circumstance and let what you just mentioned, outer circumstances govern our inner states. So one of my most relied upon mantras is create the state, don't wait. Wow. And what, you know, someone might say, well, you know, create what state? And the answer is whatever you damn please. <laughs> yeah. Whatever state, whatever emotional state is going to serve you in this moment. Yep. So if I'm competing, that would be a very unique state, like a game face, like warrior expert Buddha is my game face. Warrior expert and Buddha is, is how I describe my game face. That's my competitive peak performance mentality. But like if I'm going on, you know, going into a coaching session or going into a podcast interview like this, I, that's not the state that I want to create. I want to create a state of expertise and service. Absolutely. I think right? we, and we weren't taught that. And at least this is my mission, right? Is because this is, it's really important to me. You know, to, to, so thank you again for the invitation because what this is for me is an opportunity to do what is so damn important to me, which is spread the word that we weren't, we didn't have any classes in grade school that taught us how to become an emotional master or a thought warrior and our whole freaking lives unfold according to the way that we think and the mm -hmm. states that we create as a consequence of that. No training whatsoever. No one. Right? There's no class. I, every time I give a talk, I'm, like, I'll, I'm going to give a talk uh, here in next week, a month from today, actually. And there'll be 400 people in the audience. I'm going to say, how many people in here have had any cl formal classes or training on how to strengthen the way that you think? And there will be no hands raised. Hmm. And that's, to me, that's, that's an outrage. Yep. I agree. Like we, all got, we all had um, physical education. We all learned the value of investing in, in our physical health. But we didn't have the classes on how to, be, how to strengthen this muscle, so to speak, right? How to strengthen the brain. No, we didn't. the brain. So that's they, the deal. They teach us how to read and write and all the, you know, the life skills that we need, but this is the most important thing. And I totally agree that this is completely lacking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is where I find as an athlete, I've been lucky enough to come across some of those learnings on the way. And this is why I teach mental toughness. This is why I teach what I teach. Um, and I'm sure there are lots of alignment with you is 
as an athlete, you are put in situations where you've had to overcome incredible obstacles, difficult situations. You've had to deal with a massive amounts of pressure, um, fear, you know, all of these things that come at you as an athlete. And that's why you are forced into learning some of those situations, um, which you can then apply in life. Um, one of the situations that I was in recently, um, if you'll indulge me, Chris, um, so I've been an ultra marathon athlete, obviously, for 25 years. And three years ago, my mum had an aneurysm and was left basically like a baby. She, she had no higher function left. And the doctors said, there's no hope. She's not going to ever do anything again. And I just went into warrior mode, if you like. I went into athlete mode and said, well, that ain't happening. And she's coming back. And this is what we're going to do. And this is how. And I had no idea what I needed to learn or how I was going to do it. But it was that mentality of we're going for it. We're going to um, bugger that. You know, the alternative was death, basically. So I was going, to, I'm going to throw everything I have and every ounce of my being. When you love your mum, you do whatever it takes, right? And the journey that we've been in on the last three years has really solidified for me the learnings that I've actually made in life through the struggles I've had, through being an athlete, through just the normal crap of life even, and being able to put, put it into practice in a real world situation. Does that make sense to you? And my yeah. mum, my mum now is three years later, she's driving the car, she's reading, writing. Oh, that's beautiful. She's, normal. she's normal again. I got my mum back. Oh. And that was massive brain damage at the age of 74 that they said was she would never, she couldn't even chew, she couldn't sit, she couldn't, wow. she couldn't, had no memory. And I found ways around every single obstacle that we came up against and one by one by one. And if there's one thing that ultramarathoners know is how to put one foot in front of the other, no matter how slow they can keep moving forward. And I've got a book coming out on her story in a couple of months. And it really teaches a lot of these, these principles that I've, I've not I've been to university and studied psychology or anything like that. But there's some powerful learnings just from actually being involved in, in processes like this. Yeah, you know, you, I, you, um, so a few things on that. So I, I read in your bio um, the word epigenetics. Mm -hmm. So I'm also a huge fan of Bruce Lipton. Okay. And do you know who Bruce is? Oh, no, I Bruce don't Lipton? actually. We, we do the PH360 epigenetics. This is Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief. Okay. I'm pretty sure that Bruce Lipton is the guy who coined the term epigenetics. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. But, but he is amazing, and I strongly encourage you yeah. to check him and his work out. He's incredible. Um, so now with – so epigenetics is like this new science, right? Epi meaning of, like epidermis, the outer the upper layer. Uh, so this is like a new layer of genetics and the understanding now is that not even our genes are static that, you know, we could, we can, we, we do, not we can, we do manipulate our physiology with the ways that we interpret reality or the ways that we think or what we believe. Yep. Right? So you just reminded me in telling the story and congratulations to you and to your mom, because that is really profound. So many people would have just resigned, especially when they hear from an authority figure like the, in the medical world that, well, this is it. This is like... Yep. This is how it is, and people rarely recover from this. It's very, very, very rare. And what you're, you know, if you're believing that, then the here, then your confidence yeah. level is waning, and th therefore, then your action becomes weak. So, have you heard of a documentary that came out in the last about a year or so ago called Heal? I think I have 
H E A L. I really strongly encourage everyone to check that out. That movie, it's on Netflix now. And it's, yeah. it was written, directed, and produced by Kelly Noonan Gores. Yeah. And, you know, Bruce is in it. Okay. Like all these great minds, like Greg Braden, Deepak Chopra is in there. Marianne Williamson is in there. Michael Bernard Beckwith, who I just met last week in, in Portugal, is in there. Um, and, I, and I actually interviewed Kelly as well for my Tough Talks wow. podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to our interview. Uh, so, so check that out, Heal, because it's, it's all about how we can use what, what you and I do, which is strengthen the way we use our mind in order to cooperate with the body, yep. right? So that we, um, we have the are healthy. She, she overcame cancer, I believe, wasn't it? No, but there's a lot of people in the movie who did. And yes. there's some like, like uh, Anita Morjani, who wrote a book, Dying to Be Me. Yep. And um, she had stage four cancer. She she died on the table. She had an experience, a, 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 I guess, a near death out of whatever experience with her father, which is an incredible story. She's fully recovered. She is one of the people who have what's called spontaneous remissions. Yes. Yep. Science cannot explain that. No. And there's a whole book on that, yeah. actually, too. I think that book's called Total Remission or something yeah. like that. There's a, there's a study of a thousand people who have suddenly recovered from terminal cancer and what they did. The 10, there was 10 steps that they took or that they went through um, to overcome the cancer. All of these things is amazing how much the, um, and we're getting into discussion on books. I'm reading a book at the moment called The Molecules of Emotion by um, Dr. Candice Pert. And she talks about the, the biochemical side of what emotions are and where they come from and how they affect different types of the body. And that's a really interesting um, book and concept. So when we experience stress and trauma and fear and anger, these are actually having a physical effect on our body. Killing, they're killing us. They're killing us. People don't really realize how much of an effect this actually has. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Heart disease is the number one killer. Heart disease, right? And it comes from stress. Okay. So I don't remember who said it. It might've been Shakespeare who said, there are no stressful events. They're just events. And then they aren't stressful until we think of them that way. Mm -hmm. Right? So um, every shred of stress and or anxiety that uh, we have ever experienced is completely self-created with our interpretations or the way that we're thinking in that moment. Mm -hmm. So right? we choose to suffer. The pain is there, but we choose to. Right. And of course, we don't realize we're making that choice, but no. it is, that's a critical, but that is the operative word in your sentence, is choice. Right? And that's what we weren't educated on. We were not educated to believe that we have a choice in how to feel and how to, in every moment, my, I'm absolutely convinced, well, hell, let's just do an experiment on this, or not an experiment, an, an exercise, rather. Yeah. So, uh, so this is for everyone that's listening or watching to do this. Think of an event that happened in your life that, and it could be recent or distant, doesn't matter, that was absolutely tragic. And let yourself go back and really re-experience that, that time, that day, that moment, that era, right, that phase. Uh, like re if you can, in your mind's eye, permit yourself to go back and really fully re-experience that tragic event as fully as you can. And as you do that, if you're able to do that, notice the emotional state that instantaneously accompanies that particular choice of thought content. It's now that just now we're going to switch gears. Just like we're changing channels on a remote on the TV, 
we're going to think of now change the content of your mind change what you are choosing to fill your mind with now with a memory rather of something absolutely hysterical something that happened in your life that was purely hilarious right and really let yourself similarly re-experience that event and as you do that Notice the completely unique and distinct emotional state that immediately accompanies that choice of thought content. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, if you're able to do that without telling me the events, because we don't, I don't need to know the events. I just want to know about the moods. So were you able to, were you able, Lisa, to do both of those? Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> Were you able to, what was the, if, as you were, and this question is for everyone that's listening, yeah. if you did that, if you did that, uh, <clears throat> what was the, how would you describe the emotional state that instantaneously accompanied the first memory, which was the tragic event? Constricting and painful and, and horror, horror. Yeah, and, yeah. right. And, and, and then, and, and if you can note, how, how long did it take for that, those emotions to arise after you started to fill your mind with that memory of the tragic very, event? Very, very quickly. Okay, very like, quickly. like second. Like second. A second. Yeah. Maybe, even not, maybe not even that. Yeah. Because I really do believe it's as soon as you fill your mind with that content, then instantly yeah. the emotion appears. So you've created that. So you just hear here on a podcast, you're, you're sitting presumably at home yep. and, and you're in the, the comfort of your own home. You're hanging out, having a conversation mm -hmm. with some dude. All right. And you just created horror and terror yep. simply by thinking your way into it. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Exactly. Now, next question. How would you describe the emotional state that immediately accompanied the second memory, which was something that was funny as hell? You, Probably saw my face go. I did. Yeah, I did. I, <laughs> I noticed that, of course. Within a split second, you are yeah. there. So, in other words, it's like. So, so what were you? What was it? How would you describe the state? The state. <clears throat> the second oh, joyful, hilarious. It was a funny mistake that someone had made, and it was yeah. just you know laugh, um, mm -hmm. happy. And, and okay, so then, and again, how long did it take for those emotions to arise after you filled your mind with that memory? Again, a split second. And then the last question is, how much time did it take to switch from the dark to the light? Very, very quickly. Now, isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is like, amazing. I'm gonna slow this down because what this, what this exercise illustrates for us and I wish my teacher in second grade had us do that, like, and had us do it every day mm. to remind us that, hey, kids, hey, everyone, you have access to every single, the full range of human emotions in every moment of your life. All you got to do is think your way the hell into it. So how do you deal, though, with the, the physiological response that the body puts out, the, the, the you know, fear? Uh, Say you're in, a, in traffic and, and someone cuts you off in road rage, yeah. immediately yeah. your muscle goes into overdrive and you're like, yeah. I'm going to punch that guy in the face, right? Yeah, yep. You are yep. filled in that moment with adrenaline and aggression and those chemicals and those molecules that are, that are coming out, they're actually flooding your system, right? So mm -hmm. how do you teach people then to, and I have a couple of techniques, but how do you teach people to pull back on those and calm the actual physical system down 
in yeah. order to be able to think logically and not punch the guy in the face. So the so traffic is actually a phenomenal training tool for emotional mastery. Because we've all been conditioned to believe that traffic sucks. We're just all in like uniform agreement that it sucks. And it doesn't. It just is. <laughs> right? There's another mantra that I rely on heavily, which is ain't bad, just is. Ain't bad. It ain't bad. It just is. Love that. Until I go, this blows. Now, now, okay, now it sucks. <laughs> but I don't have to. And that's the reaction that would have me go into rage, right? Or, or even disappointment or, or frustration or impatience or any of these low-grade states that deactivate all forms of intelligence have me, settle, have me be stupid, really. Deactivate they, intelligence. Yeah, th those low-grade states, well, then that's chemical. That's all chemicals, right? Because yeah. the endorphins and stuff, it's survival mode shit. I can't be smart. I can't remember things. I certainly can't be graceful. I'm not going to be athletic when I'm in those states. No one in history has ever described the peak performance as frustrated. <laughs> you know, or, oh, yeah, my best game ever. I was fucking enraged. That's never going to be said. It's never going to be said. So <clears throat> it's always like I, was, I felt amazing. I felt incredible. So, so to answer your question, the practice is to change your thinking. So the practice for me is very simple. It's catch, own, and replace. Three step, a three-step process that can happen in seconds. Catch, own, and replace. So here's the first step. I'm catching myself when I feel anything unpleasant. I want to get really good at noticing my moods. Yep. And I want to use traffic as an amazing opportunity to practice that because it's easy for me to go dark in traffic. For me to start thinking like a chump when I'm in traffic because I've learned it. We've all learned that. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to catch myself all day, every day, not just in traffic, in traffic. That's just the example, the example that we're using here, but it's all day. I want to be, I'll, I'll pick up on, I'm going to get back to this for a second in a second. I really like to say that the most mentally tough slash most successful slash happiest people, because that all goes together. I choose to live in a perpetual state of self inquiry. They choose to live in a perpetual state of self-inquiry, meaning they're asking themselves questions like, how's my state right now? Is it serving me? Can it be manipulated? Can it, can it use an upgrade? What kind of mood am I thinking my way into right now? And is it having me be amazing? Right? So I want to get really good at mood awareness. Wow. Right? I want to become really hyper-vigilantly conscious of my states throughout the day. And that's why I was asking you to label Give me words. Like, what are the names of the moods that you just created with those memories? So I'm in traffic. I get really pissed off. Somebody cuts me off. I'm angry as hell. And I want to go, oh, I'm pissed. Yeah, this is practice time. And that's the catch. Wow. That's my catch. The yep. second step is ownership. And this is huge. This is, this is, this is massively powerful. I want to say this following sentence to myself. I want to own my moods by saying, I'm not feeling pissed off because the guy cut me off. I'm feeling pissed off because I'm thinking like a rookie right now. Because I'm thinking like a chump. I am not pissed off because of traffic. I'm not pissed off because the guy gave me the finger. I'm not pissed off because he cut me off. None of that is responsible for my inner state. That's just stuff that's going on. Yeah. The ownership is me going, I'm creating frustration for myself right now because of my thinking about what's going on. Right? So that's ownership. And then the final, the third of the three steps is replace. Is replace what? Well, I want to replace simultaneously, replace my thinking and my state, right? I want to, so let's say, let's go into gratitude. Gratitude is just a phenomenally intelligent state, a hugely intelligent state. Gratitude and enthusiasm, I think, are two of the, if not the highest, the most intelligent states that we can think our way into. We never uh, don't have access to gratitude. 
In fact, if you'd like to, to uh, check out a beautiful short film, six minutes long, I mean, beautiful, on gratitude, yep. uh, just Google, go to YouTube and, and not Google, just go to YouTube and put in the search box, gratitude HD, like high def. Mm-hmm. So Gratitude HD, it's a short movie <clears throat> created, a, a, a short film created by a guy named Louis Schwartzberg, who's like won a million awards for his short films, and narrated by this great dude, he's a, he's a Benedictine monk, his name is Brother David Steindlerass, he's got this beautiful Austrian accent, and it is exquisite. I cry every time, I've watched it hundreds of times, <laughs> and I get a little choked up just thinking about it, because it's truly beautiful. We always, so check that out. <clears throat> But to finish my response to like how, how your how question, like yeah. here you are in traffic, you're freaking out, you're creating these negative um, uh, chemicals in your body, stress, stress hormones and all that. <clears throat> what do you do? Catch it, right? It's easy to catch moods. Moods are pretty damn detectable. Thoughts, they're sneaky. <laughs> moods, not sneaky. They live a very obvious footprint. So I catch my moods, right, when I'm in a bad mood. Right. As soon as the onset, as close to the onset of the low grade state as possible, and it comes with practice, then own it by saying, <clears throat> not feeling this way because of what's going on. I'm feeling this way because I'm thinking about what's going on right now. And then replace it by thinking differently about the thing. So I, I don't want to like change. So here I'm in traffic. I don't want to go, oh, well, at least there's a fun dinner party tonight. Yeah, this traffic sucks, but I have that to look forward to. That is pathetically weak. I, that is not what I want to do. I want to stay with the thing, right? And I want to have the thing that a second ago was a problem, traffic, have it be a gift. And I'm not kidding. I want to turn, I want to be that badass with my brain that I'm going to turn the problem into a gift. So I want to change my thinking and go, thank God I have created a life for myself that permits me to have a car in traffic where I'm going to this amazing place. Thank wow. God for the people that created this car that I'm enjoying in the air conditioner. Thank God for the people that worked their asses off for the roads that I'm driving on, which are amazing, which get me and I take advantage of, wow. you know, take for granted all the time and really, and really practice going into gratitude and have this thing that sucked a second ago. Be like, what are you talking about? This is amazing. Yeah. The technology of transportation. It was beautiful. Thank God. Think about how different, like if I, if I had to like, you know, still use a horse. Yeah. Yeah. So So you're going into that state of gratitude all the time. So as soon as those chemicals get poured in, that anger, that frustration, that disappointment, that whatever, um, then it's taking control. And this is where I think most people think they cannot take control. No one's ever said to us, you can actually control what you think and feel. They think that they are in the cycle especially people who are really, really suffering and struggling and on a downward spiral in, 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 in life or in, their, in a certain challenge, they're really having a struggle to, to see that, that they are creating this in an ongoing form. It's, it's important to, to, to articulate that none of us are exempt from this. This is the human experience, yeah. right? It's not, oh, well, some people, they're just mentally tough. I don't know if I'm, one of them, <laughs> that's bullshit, you know? So there's a great story, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm sorry I keep clearing my throat, I'm just getting over a cold. No worries. But uh, um, there's a story about a little girl who comes home from school and she's all smiles, she's like four years, five, six years, whatever. And she comes home from school and she's all smiles and her mom sees her and says, oh my God, honey, look at, wow, look how happy you are, that's great. What happened? Did you make a new friend at school today? And the little girl goes, mm-mm. 
no, no, mommy, there were no new students today at school. And the mom goes, huh, okay. So, um, well, what happened? Why are you so happy? You guys, you got cupcakes at recess, didn't you? And the little girl says, mm -mm, we didn't have cupcakes today. Mom. And the mother's like, well, well, why are you so happy? You got a sticker on your spelling quiz. And the little girl's like, we didn't have a spelling quiz either, mommy. So now this is, this is a really interesting example because it, it shows us. So what's happening here is there's a, this is a loving exchange. So what this illustrates is the unbelievably sneaky nature of victim learning learning how to be a victim of circumstance yes. because what's going on in this beautiful loving exchange is a disastrous communication from the mother to the daughter. Wow. The mother is the, the, the daughter is just having this. It's a beautiful love filled diet, like inquiry, yes. but embedded right unconsciously within the inquiries is honey. Yes. We, right. Something needed to happen. Something like she's literally teaching her daughter to be a victim of circumstance and neither of them know it, but it's happening in a profound way. The little girl's learning by virtue of being asked the questions in the first place that there is no such thing as causeless joy. I, there has to be a reason. I can't just choose that. I'm not that powerful to just, just choose joy spontaneously. There had to be some good event outside of me, completely out of my control in order for me to be able to occupy that state. Wow. That's so all of us learn this stuff. Right? And that's not a problem. That's the game. That's the game of life. So we get to free ourselves through practice. Right? And that's so important. As an athlete, you get it. You get the value of working your ass off. Practice, 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 practice. That example in traffic is like one rep. Think about an exercise, a workout, like a workout. One workout yeah. is comprised of several sets and many, many reps. Yeah. Because right, one set is like 10 or 12 reps. For example, of like a push-up or a sit-up or whatever, or you know, a burpee. So the reps, you, you want to accumulate reps. And the same thing with this mental training is I want to take advantage. That's why I say we want to live in a perpetual state of mental training because life is our training ground. There's never a minute that could pass without multiple opportunities to upgrade wow. the way that you're interpreting reality. Not a minute. This is next level, Chris. This is absolutely amazing stuff. I hope you, have you ever heard the science, and I don't know how the hell they had ever researched this, but this is it, and I believe it, that they say on average humans complain once every 11 seconds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right, and what that means is we're, having, we're practicing having a problem with what is. We're practicing right, uh, strengthening our ability to be bitter. We are actually rehearsing having a problem with reality and deactivating intelligence as a consequence. So the practice, I want to be, I want to accumulate like hundreds of repetitions every day of upgrading the way that I'm interpreting reality, of upgrading my state as a consequence. Because it's like we did in the, in the little exercise there, delete the word little. That was not a little exercise. That's a profound <laughs> exercise. So that's not yeah, the right word for that. For Just you. delete that. Just delete the little. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that, by the way, is part is one of my practices is like just yeah. erasing my language after it's out, like watching what I say. I yeah. Go, yeah, I don't agree with that. Delete that, replace. So with that powerful exercise, what we what we witnessed is that my my moods are very ma manipulative, manipulatable with whatever the right word is there. I can yeah. I can massage them powerfully and quick and and instantly. Yep. But I want to practice the hell out of it. I want to practice that hundreds of times a day. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing, Chris. There's some real, I hope people are writing all this down. I'm, I'm taking notes furiously here. <laughs> to practice. Because it is, I think as an athlete, I've come across, you know, like, I've got a question for you, a tricky one as an as a athlete, right? 
I'm conditioned to grind and hustle and fight and I have an ability to withstand a massive amounts of pain and endure a lot. That can be tricky because that can also attract a life of grind, hustle, fight, work, 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 and never... Um, so something that I'm struggling with is how do you find the joy when you are used to the fight, when you are yeah. used to overcoming obstacle after obstacle after, and, and fighting your way through, and that becomes a part of what you attract then. All of that is just an interpretation. So, you know, um, one of my other interview guests on my uh, podcast on Tough Talks um, is uh, Ryan Lang, who is an ultra marathoner. I really want you to connect wow. with him. I will introduce yeah. you. And I think he definitely, you two need to get together and talk. Yeah. He is insanely brilliant for his age. He's 22. Wow. And he, he's like one of the best. He was like the ninth guest on my podcast. And um, I'll send you the link to that. You, but I definitely want you to connect with him because he talks yeah. about exactly what we're saying. Yeah. So, what, what, so it's like there's a difference between pain and suffering. Okay. Uh, pain is inevitable. Suffering, however, is totally optional. And the difference is, is when I start, I suffer when I have a problem with the pain. Okay. So it's an obstacle. What's an obstacle? You mean like a, like a metaphorical psychological obstacle? Well, that's just an, that's a, that's not a, it's a construct. It's just one way of interpreting, you know, reality. So you're running, you're running, you're running, you're running insane miles, you're running and your body's breaking and you have blisters and you're bleeding and you're dehydrated and you're and it's really easy to go this is hell that's and that's not going to help you you know this you yeah. know this better than i do yeah I mean, when i do when i do burpees i have trained myself to love burpees <laughs> because of the value <laughs> and this and this isn't a trick this isn't a gimmick it's this is reality I mean, I think mental toughness could be really defined as just not having a problem with what is. Not having a problem like, with what is. Yeah, like training myself to stop having a problem with what is, mm -hmm. right? And, and, then, and then like celebrating, re benefiting from it. Because I know, why am I doing a goddamn burpee in the first place? It's to get in good shape. And that's, and, and, you know, it's like the, when it, on the 10th one, when it starts to really hurt. Yep. I want to be talking to myself like, you know what I want to be saying? Yes. Yes. Now yes. I'm getting the win. Now yes. I'm improving. Good. Yes and good. Yeah. Keep going. Yes, this is the value. Here we go. I'm growing. Yes, yes. I don't need to have a long, complex dialogue with myself. I could just be saying yes. <laughs> wow. Right? And, and, and have it be that simple. I say that when I'm putting, when I'm putting in golf. You know, I'm like, yes. I want to say that all the time. I want to get into the habit of saying yes and good to myself all throughout the day. Because those are words that we associate with high-grade states, and they put us into high-grade states. It's classical conditioning. We don't say yes when we're pissed. We don't say yes when we're nervous. So we say yes when we're like, yeah. So when we're good, when we're loving what it is. So I want to use that. I want to that's say that a lot. Quick tool, that one. That's a really quick tool. Because you, when you can't have – when you're doing, you know, hundreds of burpees or dozens of burpees, you cannot have a complicated conversation because right. there's a lot of oxygen up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And I, and I notice, and it's very measurable, and everybody knows this, that like when I'm speaking to myself powerfully, when I'm, then I get, wow, suddenly I got one or two more reps. Yep. Whereas when I'm going, God, this sucks. I, I'm so weak today. Yeah. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit before 10. And I'll quit at 7. I'm like, well, that's all I got. Yeah. 
And it, and it is all I got because I just talked myself into that. Yep. But I have more, I have more strength. I have more juice. I have more fuel in the tank and I activate access to that extra reservoir of juice, you know, when I'm speaking intelligently to myself. So the inner dialogue is so critical there. That, that's, a, that's an interesting one because in, in ultramarathoning, for example, when I was going through suffering and pain and yeah. in extreme um, states of exhaustion after, you know, a couple of days out there, um, I would, you've got this massive battle going on in your, your head. Like, and it gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger, of course. The angel and the devil, I like to call them, or the lion and the snake. And the mm. snake's getting louder, telling you you can't do it and just sit down and what the hell are you doing this for? And he's chucking everything he can at you. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got the lion who's going, come on, mate, you can do this. We've got this. You're strong. You're able to do this. You've done this before. You can you can overcome. So you've got this raging battle, I like to see. Like, I, mm. I sort of picture mar uh, ultramarathoners running along and there's in behind them as this demon's going for it you know up and up in the clouds and they're having a big punch up as to whether you can take one more step and one more step and when, what I do is uh, uh, one of the things I would do is, is to go to a place of if my mum's life depended on it yeah I love that I love that I, I go sometimes you know to strange places I'm in the middle of the jungle and I've got to run 200 miles or my mum's going to die because she's in the yeah. I have to get out are you going to quit are you going to quit? And no, you won't quit. You'll, you'll, you'll pull out another step. And if you can pull out one more step, you can pull out another step. You know, and, you, and, and sometimes you're fighting for single steps. But if you can galvanize that power that you would pull right out of yourself in, in a dire situation, then you can find it. Yeah, yeah, right. You know what's another great way for that? And I learned this recently from a guy, a powerhouse trainer, called his name is David Jack. David Jack, you ought to look him up. Uh, he was also a guest on the on the on the tough talks, wow. and um, he taught me something so profound. We were a couple years ago up in Pebble Beach, California. We were about to do a um, a gig. We is four. There's four of us: a golf instructor, a nutritionist, David Jack, the physical trainer, and then the mental coach, me. We were doing a gig for Apple for the financial um, department of Apple, and um, it was the day before. <clears throat> And I was really out of shape at the time. And um, I mean like bad shape, like none shape. <laughs> and the other three people are badasses, like iron and women. And we go for this pretty intense hike over Monterey Bay and I'm struggling hard. I'm just hitting inhalers and I'm like trying not to throw up and I'm not exaggerating. And yeah. I'm not, ha I am having no fun. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> we finally get back to my friend's house and he lives, his condo has this ridiculously steep uh, driveway. And I'm like, God, because I, I am spaghetti legs to the max. And I just said to my buddy, Jeff, I'm like, dude, go get your car. And he's like, are you kidding me? I said, get your damn car <laughs> to drive me up this freaking driveway. Because I was toast. I was convinced. I was, this is important. I had convinced myself that I couldn't even get up there without like fainting or puking. Wow. And this is the mental toughness coach. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even mental coaches, as we know, uh, we are not exempt from it. In fact, it's probably a large part of why we got into it in the first damn place. Yes. So, uh, so David Jack, who I had only met that day, I don't know the guy from Adam. He comes over to me, puts his hand on my shoulder, and he says, CD, and that's what people call me, CD. He says, CD, I got you. I'm going to join you. I'm going to handicap. Now, this guy, he's like Men's Health Magazine, Katie Couric trainer. You know, he's a bad ass. 
He's like, Adonis. So, and he's like, I got you. I'm going to handicap myself. All right. I'm going to meet you where you are and I'm going to dedicate this to you. And that's the whole point of the story. So I'm dedicating this to you. So I'm going to bear crawl this hill backwards. Wow. Now I'm thinking, freaking show off. I have the wrong idea. I think he's just like, you know, chest. Yeah, like, yeah, Watch yeah. Me. <clears throat> he's the opposite of that. He's pure service. The dude is only spirit of service, but I didn't know that yet. <clears throat> so he, so he's bear. Cr- so he goes, let's go. Wow. And he, I mean, anybody that knows what a bear, a bear crawl on a flat service forward is hard as hell. Yeah. So this dude's doing it backwards up like who knows what percent incline. So, uh, so immediately we go and he's like spitting and sweating and like breathing hard. And, and I, and I noticed I had forgotten about my own suffering and I just get into his, I'm like, come on, DJ, come on, you got this. And I'm coaching the shit out of him. (laughs) And next thing you know, we're both at the top of the hill. We're hugging it out. I'm like, Holy Uh, shit. And you've just gone up the freaking driveway. And I was like screaming for him, you know? Right. Because, because of the power of dedication. That is amazing. That is an incredible story. And I tell you what, I can so relate to that because when, as when you, I've been in races where you've got a, you're in the shit, right? You're deep in the shit. You're struggling. You're really wanting to just die. And then you come across someone who's in worse shape than you, right? Mm. And all of a sudden, your energy, your focus goes to them. They're collapsing. They're falling down. They're desperate. They need your help. You help them. And suddenly, an hour goes by, right? And then you realize, well, shit, what happened to my problems? Right. They suddenly disappeared because you've been focusing. That's and beautiful. you can pull more stuff out of yourself if you can get out of your own head and be worried about I love that. I'm going to steal that from you. I'm going to call it getting out of your own shit. Yeah. And it's not just it's not just like when you're struggling physically like in an endurance sport or something. It's even that's also with depression, right? You know, it's like you know what? A very shift like I'm writing a book now on that on all the suffering that we create for ourselves and having to stop it. Yep. And uh, and that is one of the chapters. But I think I'm you've just inspired me to change the damn chapter. Woohoo. Uh, to get out of your own shit because that's powerful what you're saying it's so true it's like instantly nothing in the world needs to be different except the way you're so you redirect your focus out of you and poor me oh woe is me into i can let me serve yeah let me serve because this guy's in deeper trouble than i'm in or or let me just go find someone to serve let me just i'm feeling unmotivated i'm feeling miserable i'm feeling lonely or depressed so go do something of service for somebody in the world you can't stay in that state yeah, and, and I mean, I, I love, uh, so working with people with disabilities and things, I love the, I, I've met some incredible people because they've had to get out of their own shit and deal with it. And when you work with people, you know, that have a disability, then you cannot be miserable about the shit in your life. You cannot come home yeah. and moan that, you know, my run today wasn't so good when you've just been working with someone who can't even stand. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've got one yeah. quick story for you on that, that friend helping. Um, I was up in the Himalayas. We were in the 222K race going over the two highest passes in the world. Wow. Extreme altitude, right? I've been out there for 48 hours. I'm in a snowstorm. I've had heat exhaustion in the morning. It's, I've been going up this pass, higher 35 kilometers uphill. I'm going 3K an hour. I can hardly walk. I'm just, I'm, asthma, I'm an asthmatic. I'm having massive asthma attacks. Mm. Every 100 meters, I have to stop and take some more medications just to keep going, right? I'm in deep, deep shit. And a snowstorm's come in. And I've got every piece of clothing. I'm hypothermic. 
my crew comes around and I said, oh, this, I've been calculating in my head, there's only two kilometers to go. I, I can get to the top, two kilometers, two kilometers, I can handle it, right? That's another three quarters of an hour or so walking. And then one of my boys comes over from the crew and he goes, no, Lisa, it's six kilometers. We've just calculated it's six. And I just broke. I broke. Because that changed my Yeah, I sat in the snow and I bawled my freaking eyes out and I said, mm. no way, that's it, guys. I'm so sorry I've let you down, but I cannot go on. And all of my crew came and they huddled and they said, you're fine. You're, we, we, we so understand and you're awesome and we're so proud of you, right? And they gave me permission to fail. And then there was one guy in my crew. His, he was also called Chris. He came over and he sat on the ground and he grabbed me by the shoulders and I could tell he wanted me to slap me in the face, right? But he didn't because he was a gentleman. But he said, there is no freaking way you are going to fail now and I am not going to let you. And you're going to get your ass up off that ground right now and I'm going to walk up with you every step of the way up the stand pass, which was a huge sacrifice to make, right? Mm. And he got out and he, and he picked me up and he said, move. You know, he was tough on me. And then this is a beautiful guys, story. It's an amazing story. And then these two guys, my other guy came out too, and they walked me handheld all the way to the top of this pass. They got me to the top. And I had another 33 Ks to go, but it was downhill. I knew that downhill I'd be able to cope. They got me over that hump. And in 53 hours and five minutes, I managed to cross the finish line as the second woman ever to do that, that event. And this guy, you know, if he had not, when I was in the depths of despair, everyone yeah. else gave me permission to fail. Yeah. Out of love, but they gave right. me permission. And this right. one guy just said, nah, that ain't happening. And you're, <laughs> and you're going this way. He, and I will always remember that. And that's the same as your story with your, your mate going up backwards with that thing, you know? That his, yeah, it is. And, and, and I, am, I am not the same person since that moment because I have absolutely integrated the power of dedication as an actual mental toughness training technique. Technique, it's a tool. Yeah. So, so isn't that beautiful? Like I use dedication as a tool for me to be more amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. right, so like when I'm on a mission, when I got something to do, I wanna use dedication selfishly. And there, it's just a beautiful paradox there. Because you can't even be selfish with that because you're dedicating it to somebody else, right? You're using their spirit, right, yeah. to inspire yourself. And last year, I, I was challenged by a friend slash colleague to, um, to lose. I had gotten overweight, and, uh, and I, I turned 50 last year. Yep. And I decided to lose. I had a project called Fitty for Fitty. I lost 50 pounds for my 50th birthday. But I only had – so I had lost 20 pounds, and, you know, my birthday was still a month away. It wasn't like I'm losing 50 by. It was like four. Yep. And I didn't really even have a date, and I didn't care. Sorry, I'm going uh, to get off. Some, I guess, typical in the middle of a podcast, isn't it? <laughs> it's, you know what? It's perfect. It'll be mum. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Tell her I say congratulations. <laughs> and then we're talking about her beautifully in a beautiful exactly. context. She, right? So to carry on. Um, yeah. So I have, um, I accepted a challenge where, you know, he's just, this guy said to me, if you lose the final 30 pounds before your birthday, which was 30 days away, wow. uh, then I'll donate all this money to a charity of your choice. And, and then another guy said, Oh, oh and this is all happening on Facebook on, on his wall. So it was a public domain. So people are chiming in and going, I'm in. And another oh. guy goes, I'm in. Oh shit! So, so, I, so I go. I'm doing it. Oh wow! I'm all in. No this is happening. <laughs> and so I, you know, I went through my my all in steps. Uh -huh. So my my all in steps are six six steps. 
Oh. One, yeah. one, is, one is decide. I can send you this too. Yeah. I've, I have a handout on this. Uh, the first step is to decide what it is that you're doing. Decide, not set a goal, decide. Yeah. Okay. It is happening. Right? And, then, and then the next step is to mobilize your army, your support network. You're like, who in the world is going to help me do this? Right? And then, then the third is take immediate action. Like, don't wait till tomorrow. Just do something now. Powerful, profound, maybe scary. Wow. Um, then the next is dedicate. Dedicate this, this experience, this project to someone or someone's or something outside of you. Wow. Right? Love For the reasons that we just talked. Then the fifth one is metrics. I always want to know exactly what's going on. I want numbers. I want data. The more data, the better. Where do I stand? What do I need to change? Is it working? And then the fifth one is recommit because the nature of commitment is that it goes away and it goes away pretty freaking fast. Yeah. Shelf life of commitment is brief. Yep which is not a problem unless I don't know it, right? So I can recommit. So it's like decide, it becomes a, a feedback loop. You get all through all those six steps. The last one is decide again. So just read it and just let, let it be the loop. Jeez. So I dedicated my experience to um, the people. The guy who gave me the challenge is uh, a sales team leader for a big international company. And he was hiring me, right, the day before my birthday to come speak to them on Mental Toughness again. Big sales team. And uh, I dedicated it to them. And they didn't know that. But I had them send me pictures. I got pictures of this group at some, some team building event. So I saw pictures of them. And our picture was on my bathroom mirror. Their picture was on my dashboard of my car. Their picture was on my stationary bike where I did my sprints. So I'm always looking at them every day. And, and I was talking to them. I was talking to them. I couldn't quit because of them. I also dedicated it to the people that reunited me with my birth mother. This is her. This is the day we met. Oh, wow. Me, I'm adopted. And this is the day that we were reunited. The women that found her for me, I dedicated it to them as well. Wow. There was zero chance of this not happening because I dedicated it. To, it, it was a lock. Yeah. I, can, I am so much more willing to give up on me yes, but than I am own. on them. Exactly. It can't, it can't happen. It, it can't happen. That's understanding why, isn't it? That's understanding what yeah. the hell it is that really deeply yeah. motivates you. Yeah. And I don't think most of us are in connection with what that is. Like, you know, having that photo there that, that moves you to actually want it and keeping that in front of your eye is really, yeah. really important. That's that reek. Because people expect that they decide, oh, I'm going to run a marathon, I'm going to go for this promotion, or, and then the, the shit, it's the fan, the, the obstacles yeah. come their way, and the motivation disappears mm -hmm. because it's extrinsic. It's, it's outside of them. It's not coming from within. So you're saying you have to find that every day that multiple times every day, multiple times a day, many times every day, rededicate. You know, I can't even tell you, I like to tell it say this. I wish I had a device that was a clicker, a counter. Like, you know, how they have the, where the things that tells you how many steps you've walked in a day. Yeah. I wish that there was a device that told me how many times I recommitted because during that process in that 30 day period where I was drinking all my meals and working out twice a day and all this stuff, uh, I must have re declare or recommitted to my decision thousands thousands of times in that month yeah i mean just hundreds of time in a workout yep like when i was doing the burpees i'd go yes and this is for the the search angels those are the, the and this is for the squad you know the team at salesforce you know and I'm, yes 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 this is for them this is for them they're making me better right now yeah you know, thousands of times or hundreds of times in a, in a, even in one workout, at least dozens. 
Do you, do you believe in like the, um, uh, I follow a guy here called Kerwin Ray, who's a business mastery and high performance coach over in Australia. And he talks about the herd mentality that we are herd animals, you know, ancestrally speaking. And then we do not like to be or tribal animals, if you want to put it another way. And that social pressure is a very powerful force. So we have to be careful who we hang out with and who we surround ourselves with. Is that part of that, that, that social sort of pressure that, that you don't want to let your friends down? You don't want to let people down because you're committed to it? Well, that's the, that's the whole, I don't know if it's, it's not a y y yes, but, yeah. right? Like I don't really, yeah, yes, I definitely don't. That's true. When I dedicate something to someone, especially if I've told them, yeah, right? And I, I didn't tell the group, I didn't tell either of them actually, because I didn't, I didn't need to tell them. I was, I, I wanted to surprise them. I yeah. thought that the value of the experience would be so much cooler after it was already done. And I knew it was getting done. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, yes, it is true that I don't want to let them down. But I think what's more powerful than that is is because that that thought only comes from what if I fail? <clears throat> when I'm all in, in other words, infinitely committed to something, and I've got a really cool course on all in. I've got an audio program and a whole all, online course on all this that we're discussing. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, called All In. And when I am all in or in that unique emotional human state, which is infinite commitment, the possibility of failure is non-existent in my field of consciousness. Yep. I'm not even entertaining the possibility of not accomplishing the mission. It's not there. I'm yep. too busy doing, doing whatever it takes to get it done. So I want to use my, my dedication sources as more inspiration. Rather than pressure from, I, I actually like that better. I do. I think that, that that's a better way. They both work, but I think the, the, the latter works better. Yes, I agree. And I, I think it's more, it's a higher, it's a higher way yeah. of thinking because it's, once again, it's in service to other people. Yeah. Um, right. And it has you lift up like that. Yeah. And you, I really believe that that's, I mean, that that's, it becomes way beyond just human peak performance. That becomes about love. Yeah. And that becomes powerful. about the human experience. Yeah. And there, there can only be greatness in that. <laughs> exactly. I like that much better. <laughs> I don't like, really like being a herd animal. <laughs> <either. Yeah. laughs> um, one last thing before we wrap up, Chris, because, you know, this, is, uh, this has been an absolutely fascinating hour and I'd love to go and spend another hour with you, but mum's obviously yelling at me to come and train her. So ah, <laughs> I have to go. Nice. Um, but what about identity shift? You know, I talk a lot of, to the people that I coach about making something your identity. I suppose that's a bit the same as the all-in um, philosophy, if you like, where, whereby when something becomes a part of who you are, I am, you know, if I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a slim, trim, fit person in, this, in your example. Mm. When you make that as your identity and not I'm the overweight guy, and you shift, then that becomes a standard that you hold yourself to. I like, I like the example of um, none of us would go a week without brushing our teeth, right? Because it's a standard that we hold ourselves yes. to. We have an identity as that that's what we do every day. We, we brush our teeth. And none of us would ever say, well, I don't have time to brush my teeth, you know? Right. Well, I hope they right. won't. Um, and it's the same with your training. There is, you, there is no such thing as I don't have time to train 
there is always somewhere, and I don't care whether it's just incrementally making, you know, running up the steps at lunchtime to get your lunch. You know, you are doing incremental things throughout the day. There is always a way to do something. It's not an excuse when it's a part of your identity. Do you do you identify identify with that one? I sure as hell do. <clears throat> one of my former coaches, whose name is Steve Hardison, his nickname is the Ultimate Coach. He's coached some amazing people like. He, he, Ilanya Van Zant and Byron Katie, he is their coach. Yeah. He taught me something uh, very powerful. You just reminded me of it. So I, we create our identities. So what's the identity that's going to have us be the amazing person that we're designed to be? So this is a great tool. Uh, is, we can use technology. So I use my cell phone here because it comes with voice notes. So I just record, like, so I'm speaking to myself. Right? I'll play a, a little bit of it for you. I am divine grace. Can you hear this? Yeah. I am that this is perfect. I am integrity. I am service. No one could ever pay me what I'm worth. Wow. I am free living. I am celebration. I am a master. I am simplicity. I am spontaneity. I am peace. Just a little bit longer. I am genius. I am boatness. There's a story behind that. I am instantly and inextricably connected to all that exists. I surrender to uncertainty. I respond to all of life with awe, gratitude, and enthusiasm. I co-create with the universe. I elevate the vibration on the planet. I am the source of infinite creativity. I am the entire universe pretending to be human. So that is me speaking to myself. Wow. I listen to this every day. <clears throat> Some of that is totally true. Some of that is what I want to be me. And I'm not waiting for anything to be different in the world to, to act like I am that now, to be that guy now. Yeah. If I can remember that and speak my way into my truth, then I'm accelerating tremendously the rate at which I'm creating the identity that will serve me and serve the world. That is fantastic. I have a list like that on my fridge, but I'm going to go and do that on my phone because that is powerful. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's suggesting to your brain an alternative way of being mm -hmm. and improving and going towards that which you wish to be. Yes. People get stuck with where they are and think that they can never be something else. Mm -hmm. and then other people come and tell them that they can never be something else. And yeah. so the cycle goes and it's nothing to do with our potential as who we are as human beings. After I listen to myself, after I listen to this, there's no way I can feel anything but like a powerhouse. Yeah. Love it. Right? So this is, I'm preemptively speaking. Live. So that's a beautiful question that you asked. So, yeah, we get to create our identities. We get to create our whole future and our whole identities. Chris, you've been absolutely amazing today. I'd just like to thank you for taking so much time out from, for our audience. Um, yeah. I want people to follow you. I want people to listen to your podcast, read your books. Tell us where they can find everything about Chris Doris. See oh, that's so sweet of you. Yeah, everything's right at the website, ChristopherDoris.com. I have, uh, you know, I have a couple uh, lists that I, that I would love I, to invite people to get on. Um, and of course, they're free. Yep, I'm the on first those. one, the you get the daily dose. 
Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, okay. That's I'd love that project. So that's like, it's called The Daily Dose, Mental Toughness Tips in 30 Seconds or Less. So at 6 a.m., wherever you are in the world, yep. uh, you, you get that a little nugget, which is sweet. And I'll never announce anything on there. There's, I'll never, it's just pure little, little nugget okay. of value. See you yep. later. And then the other list is my blog, you know, my, my normal list, which is yep. where you get, you get my, uh, I send out blogs twice a week and I do the Tough Talks interviews. And so it's all on the website. Christopher and Doris, ChristopherDoris.com. ChristopherDoris.com. Yeah, and Doris is, by the way, spelled D-O-R-R-I-S. Uh, so I'll put it in the, sh in the show notes. Okay. And Chris, you know, you, you're an international speaker. You do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. And so if anybody is out there that is wanting to, uh, looking at get some high-level coaching, some really kick-ass stuff, make sure you search Chris out. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute joy. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think I'm better because of this conversation, so I thank you. <laughs>